Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Today we are continuing our December-themed horror films. And, uh, you know, we try to get holiday movies during this time of year. Uh, although, as we always say, pickings get pretty slim the more we do this podcast. So we have to, we have to stretch a little bit if a we're going to keep up this... <laughs> <laughs> this theme, we have to go for things that are maybe just sort of set around winter time, or even in this case, just when there's snow on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie, I think technically, because one character mentions it at one point, is takes place during Easter. But ah. you would never know, uh, because uh, all you see is snow and people out having a good time on vacation. So we're going to pretend that this is December uh, and uh, Santa Claus would be coming over the mountain uh, <laughs> any time now at this resort uh, where these characters are. And the film is called Dead Snow. It has the word snow in the title, so it's it's really going to put you in the holiday spirit, I think. Uh, this is a Norwegian film from 2009. There's been a follow-up to it, uh, Dead Snow 2, uh, in 2014, so quite a few years uh, later, actually. And... To be completely frank with you, the reason why we put this here isn't just because it's snow-themed. It was rather convenient. We had a request for Dead Snow 2, Red vs. Dead, and I happen to really enjoy that movie. I think it's superior to this movie, but it seems really strange to review a sequel uh, right out the gate when we haven't even reviewed the first one. And in this case in particular, Craig hadn't even seen the first one. So right. we really felt like we couldn't do the sequel justice until we had the first one to compare it to because the two do correlate quite a bit. So um, this is Dead Snow, and it's a Norwegian film, and it's... What did you think of it, Craig? I always start out by talking about what I think of the movie. I'm curious as to your take first. Well, a couple of weeks ago, um, we talked about uh, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. And when we watched that movie, I said, the zombie genre of horror is really not my favorite. Mm. I stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know. I mean... I we'll get into details. I thought it was all right. <laughs> well, okay, no, I I think that's fair. To be honest, I think it's all right too. Uh, I don't think this is particularly a standout movie in most respects. It's certainly not original. In fact, it's almost the opposite. It almost makes a nod to every horror movie cliche and director and film in every scene. Right, it's it's yeah. so derivative of so many other movies, the Night of the Living Dead series, Dawn of the Dead in particular. Some of these kills are straight out of there. Um, some of the cinematography and gore is straight out of the Evil Dead. Um, there's just a lot of these nods, and at one point, even one of the characters is wearing a shirt, a T-shirt that's Brain Dead, which is the New Ze- the original New Zealand title of Peter Jackson's movie Dead Alive, which is quite good. So this movie. Even though it's doing this, I think it's doing it with love, and it's doing it so obviously that you can tell that they're under no pretense here. You know that they're making anything original. It's like this movie is a tribute to these kind of all-out gore splatter zombie films. Sure, and I appreciate that. I I really do appreciate when uh, you can tell that the makers of a horror movie are are really true horror fans and and that they want to – 
give little tips of the hat to other movies and characters in this movie mention, you know, Friday the 13th, Evil Dead. They they mention these things by name. There's there was a cute little nod even to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah. Uh, like so <laughs> I I appreciate that. And and it, it it by no stretch of the imagination is it a bad movie. You know, I thought that there were some interesting things going on. Uh and the characters were, you know, clever and not you know, totally run of the mill. You're right. Not totally annoying. As I've said before, and I'm sure there are people out there who will disagree with me. It's kind of when you've seen one zombie movie, you've kind of seen them all. And, you know, in this one, they're Nazis. And so (laughs) that's different, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) The writer director of this film, Tommy Workola. I mean, he did another movie before this, which was a takeoff of Kill Bill called Kill Bull Joe or something like that. Um, <laughs> this is his second film, and uh, it's pretty good for a guy's second film, especially sure. considered he wrote and directed. Uh, but he said when they sat down to do this, he thought, okay, well, what's worse than zombies? Nazi zombies. <laughs> and, you know, there's a very, very, very small subgenre of zombie films that is the Nazi zombie subgenre. I mean, there might be like like a dozen, half a dozen. Maybe you could count them on one hand. That's how many there are. That's funny. But, you know, it's such a good idea. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I really like this notion. And maybe it's because, in this case, the zombies have a sort of built-in character. With a lot of sure. zombie movies, the zombies are just people who died and for some reason are resurrected. Right. In this case... The people who are resurrected as zombies are already, they're already the evil Nazis, and there's a military sort of aspect to it as well. This, these, these zombie Nazis have their uniforms on, you know, and then they act like soldiers in many respects. So it's, it's kind of a neat conceit that I wish I saw, honestly, I wish I saw more Nazi zombie movies being made. <laughs> I, think, I think there's something there to make it really. Well, it's still going to be a zombie movie, and you're right. There's still only so many things you can do with it. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and it's a little unique. I I read, I didn't write it down, I should have, but uh, I guess that these zombies are a mix between your traditional zombies and kind of this other Norse, I think it was Norse, um, yeah. entity that, like, inhabits graves and, like, protects... Treasure. Right, in these graves, and, and that's what these zombies are about, too. So it's like they've they've kind of got some motivation. It's like, a purpose. Yeah, they're not just randomly out, you know, killing whoever. You know, they're they're protecting their <laughs> precious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of the Leprechaun series, right? Right. <laughs> I am the Nazi zombie. You have my gold. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's what kind of makes this film a little more unique. I think you have to give it a little bit more credit, right? I, I mean, do. for that. Yeah, I do. I do. So there's a goal, right? And the reason the zombies come is because somebody's got their treasure. Right. It, it opens up the way so many of these movies open up. Like, seriously, we're probably not going to go scene by scene through this film. Um, but, <laughs> but, but, but I mean, honestly, you could take any scene out of this movie and draw a mind map of how it points to 15 other movies just like it. It's yeah. just It's just a series of cliches strung together. And of course, it's four young adults in a car driving right. to a secluded cabin. <laughs> it's not in the woods. It's up in the hills and mountains of Norway. 
right. they're going on vacation. It's four guys. Uh, their names are Martin, Vegard, Erland, and Roy. And they all have these very thinly drawn characters, which we basically know because the next scene is the girls driving up to meet them. <laughs> right. And in that scene, one of the girls says to another girl, so tell me about the guys we're going to meet. <laughs> and the yeah. other girl starts rattling off their character traits. Well, Martin's the attractive, studious one. And uh, Vegard, I don't know, Vegard has a bike, I guess. Erland... <laughs> Erland is a movie geek and won't stop talking about movies, and Roy is probably the horniest guy I have ever met. <laughs> <laughs> like, thank you for saving us the trouble. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, okay, so this movie is in a different language, and so, you know, you have to read subtitles or whatever, unless you do the English dub, which I rarely recommend and i watched it with the subtitles usually like i do all kinds of research and i write down all the characters names and their actors names. i didn't have time to do all that so i was just watching it and i was trying to keep track of who all these people were so i just wrote down all their names real quick got that off of imdb yeah. and then next to them next to them as i was figuring out who they were i was like writing down their char- their defining characteristics and so i've got Martin, glasses, okay. <laughs> Roy, smartass, okay. <laughs> Vagard, cute, Sarah's boyfriend, okay. <laughs> Erland, movie buff, fat, okay. <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much their, their characters. Uh, Hannah, dreadlocks, got it. <laughs> Liv, the blonde one, okay. And Chris, the new girl. All right, there we go. We've got our entire cast of characters. And you know, you're better than I am because uh, I try to just write them down as they as the names come up in the movie. And Liv's name did not come up until like the last 10 minutes of the film. It drove me <laughs> I know, nuts. I, know. I just finally, I wrote a big underline in my notes and I'm like, blonde girl. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's, it's fitting too because honestly, all these characters are pretty... I can't even really say they're cardboard cutouts because they don't necessarily adhere to these traits so strongly, you know? Yeah. They're all just pretty vanilla, and we just get to know about enough, just enough about them to care a little bit about them as the movie goes on. But otherwise, they're pretty thinly drawn. You're right. I, I think that they are thinly drawn, but in some ways that almost makes them even a little bit more realistic. Like, they don't push these big stereotypical characteristics on them. They're yeah. just kind of average. All of them are just kind of average Joes hanging out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe that's a little better than forcing these ridiculous stereotypes. I mean, uh, Erland, the overweight movie buff, is pretty stereotypical. But beyond that, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're a bunch of med students on yeah. We're Pretending Christmas, but really Easter break. <laughs> And uh, they, holiday. you know, so so they're going up to this cabin. You didn't mention there's the very first scene is somebody running through the the woods in the dark. Right. Uh, and I I thought I thought it was a guy at first, but mm-hmm. eventually we get a close up, and I'm like, oh wait, that's a chick. She's running from these unknown assailants, and uh, eventually they get her and kill her. Um, and we come to find out later that that was Sarah, who was. Vergard's girlfriend who actually owns this cabin that they're going to. She's supposed to meet them there, yeah. Which is, I don't understand this really. <laughs> like, they all drove there, but she was going to, like, cross-country ski there. Yeah. Like, over this huge mountain range. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's true. But what I've got to say about this movie, and, and you kind of touched on it a little bit there, is that all these characters are actually – the fact that they're kind of normal makes them pretty likable. Like, yeah. Sometimes we're talking about, okay, so it's a bunch of assholes who right, <laughs> you know, right, right. are stuck together. And in this case of the movie, I felt like these were people I'd want to hang out with. Yeah, sure. They go up to the cabin. They're all probably in their mid-20s or whatever. And the first thing that these they do is they go snow tubing, right? And uh-huh. they're like having snowball fights and they're playing Twister. And they're not just like ducking into the corners to make out and drinking beer and making asses of themselves, you know? Right. And uh, they're waiting for Sarah to come. They park their cars down by the road and then they have to hike to the cabin. Although Vegard, I guess he's planted a... S- snowmobile there earlier or something i'm not quite sure or did they take it off the back of one of the cars i'm not sure but anyway he takes the snowmobile out ahead of them and so their way actually to find the cabin is to follow his tracks so he knows where it is because he was sarah's boyfriend so they follow the tracks to the cabin he gets there a little earlier and it's a pretty small cabin but he lights a fire and uh, pretty soon they show up and then they have their fun and then it's that evening when uh, they get a little spooked, I think it's uh, Liv maybe goes to the outhouse and she has kind of a creepy scene out there where we think somebody might be stalking her and she runs into the cabin and it turns out that there's a guy who knocks on their door. And again, this is so movie cliche. It would have been more cliche if they'd run into him uh, you know, at a gas station five miles out. But uh, in this case, it's the older guy who comes, knocks on their door and says, you crazy kids don't really know much about this area, do you? He tells them a story. He says that, uh, yeah, you know, around here, back at World during World War II, this was an important convoy stop between Russia and Britain for the Germans. And uh, there was a group of them here, a platoon or whatever, and it was led by Colonel Herzog. Whereas in many cases in Norway, the Germans would get along with the locals, more or less. In this case, they terrorized the locals. And so as, and, and they went in and at one point stole all of their gold and silver and jewels and watches and things. Just went door to door and looted all the people in the town. And if people didn't like it, they just shot them in the head. And so as the war was wrapping up, the townspeople decided to take matters into their own hands. And so they went up with sticks and pickaxes and whatever weapons they they could find. And they took care of this German platoon, chased them up into the mountains, and they really weren't ever seen again. So that's the backstory that he delivers after he has some coffee, which he insults, uh, after he asks for beer, which he drinks, and then rolls up a cigarette, which he smokes and puts out in the coffee that he didn't like. (laughs) (laughs) The guy helps himself to everything. But, you know, he's a good storyteller. And this scene was just, again, it's a scene out of these movies, too, and it's pretty economical. But it's told like a campfire story. Yeah, but it is, it's so stereotypical and so silly because we have no idea who this guy is. We have no idea where he came from. We have no idea what his purpose (laughs) is, except for to provide expertise position and then so like he says he closes his story by saying something like there's an evil presence here one you wouldn't want to wake Um, (laughs) and then like he he gets up to leave and roy the smart ass one says something smart ass and he like grabs roy by the throat and he's like oh you're a medical student huh well what would you do if your intestines were hanging out and you were holding them in your hands or what would you do, do they teach you that i don't even remember what the other yeah. things <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
And then he just leaves, and uh, they're like, oh, well, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Why they're not a little bit more creeped out and maybe don't get the heck out of Dodge at that point, I'm not sure. The intestines line is pretty important, I think, because it seems to be a running theme through this entire movie. Oh, gosh. I know it's It gets really silly, actually, but yeah. that's okay. Then, Vergard... I had to go in, like, I took all these notes, and then I had to go in and write their names above their descriptions because it took me so long. So originally I had, cute guy sees someone come from under the house. So, like, he wakes up, he wakes up, and he sits up in his bed, and he sees somebody crawling out of this, like, trap door under in the floor. And we've seen, this is where they're keeping their beer, like, under the house, I guess, because it's cold there, and there's, like, a trap yeah, door or whatever. Smart. He sees somebody coming up out of there, and and this person walks outside and he follows and he thinks it's Sarah and so he keeps calling her name, his girlfriend. He sees her and she's standing there but then she spits out a lot of blood and then he sits up in bed and it was all a dream. Um, which, <laughs> I don't know, like this, that, that scene just seemed a little bit yeah. out of place. I guess it was... It was like, okay, he needs a reason to be worried about her yeah. <laughs> because because in the morning he's 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 going to have a bad feeling and so he's going to go off and look for her. Like it's pretty dumb. <laughs> I felt like, oh, I had a bad dream, so <laughs> I've got a bad that, feeling. The fact that she hasn't shown up yet isn't bad enough, you know. And, and then we cut to a scene of that creepy guy who we don't have any idea who he is or where he came from, and he's in a tent. I don't know. I guess he lives in this tent on yeah. the mountain. I, I, I still have no idea. It's really unclear. You'd think that a guy who had this much warning about the area wouldn't be camping out on the mountain, but... Uh... Right? <laughs> like, like, are like the zombie Nazis, like, are they just always around? <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, I wondered that, too. And, like, the townspeople know, so they just stay away? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. But anyway, so he's the... Aside from the opening scene where we saw Sarah get killed, this is the—he's the first one to get killed, and he—you know—it's suspenseful. He hears something and he goes out and he's looking around with this flashlight, and then he kind of uh, brings his flashlight up on a zombie, but then something runs by him really, really fast, and he uh, is just standing there, and then he starts gurgling like, and we find out that his throat has been cut and. As he's bleeding out from his throat, he retreats into his tent, and then one of the zombies comes in and attacks him, and he's dead. Um, and, you know, one of the things – okay, so I'm explaining all of this as though it's important. It's not. Um, but that was one of the things – not that necessarily bothered me, but that I made note of. It, the the buildup to this movie takes a yeah. while. Like, I feel like – you almost get halfway into the movie before, or at least half an hour third, into the hour sure. and a half mm-hmm. movie bef- before the the real action starts to happen. And it's not boring up until that point, but I was just kind of thinking, all right, they're in a cabin in the woods. There are Nazi zombies. Let's get to it. Like, what are we <laughs> Bring waiting on the for? Nazis. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's the thing that bothers me about this movie is the motivation. And like you said, are there always Nazi zombies out? Again, I compare this to the Leprechaun movie, where they find this gold, and it's the Leprechaun's gold, and that brings the Leprechaun to them. In this case, it's the same idea. But before anybody finds any treasure, any of the stolen zombie treasure, we're already getting zombie killings, you know, Nazi zombie killings. That's a little problematic, in my opinion. 
Yes, because you, the next thing we see is like they're partying, whatever, they're having a good time. Um, Erlen goes to get more beer and uh, he finds in their under the house beer cooler this box. And it's a box full of like gold and, you know, jewelry. In and Sarah's stuff cabin. And, in Sarah's cabin. And that's the thing like, how did it get there? Like, who put it mm. there? When did it get there? Like, did somebody just yes. recently put it there and now the Nazis are coming for it? Or, like, it's been there for years and years, but only now the Nazis are coming for it? Or they've been around all this time and they still haven't found it? Like, <laughs> I don't yeah. understand. It's really unclear. It should be more clear. It should, because the movie makes a point of being really consistent about what it takes to appease the Nazi zombies. So it's really important why they came out in the first place and got awa- awakened. You're right. And he, he, he has an Indiana Jones quote, which is... Fun. <laughs> the writing is not the best, but it, it it's clever at times. At other times, it's just a little too on the nose. And I feel like every time Erland spits out a movie quote, it's like, oh yeah, gotta remind us that Erland is the movie guy. And, and he spits them out in English, which is always yeah. funny. T- and I don't even know... <laughs> Like he said, okay, so they find this box of treasure and he opens it up and he says, fortune and glory, kid, fortune and glory. And he says it in English, which, you know, obviously I'm like, well, that's weird because they don't speak English. And so then I'm like, wait a second. I, re- I recognize that. What is that from? And it took me a second. I was getting ready to Google it. And I'm like, wait, no, <laughs> I know this. It was a temple of doom with short round and cute stuff. And like, I, I like those little nods. Great. Whatever. But the 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 conceit of the treasure it's i mean i get it 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 provides motivation but it's so unexplained like it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense but whatever who cares it's a great conceit though like the whole concept is cool yeah nazis who are dead who will come back to life to protect the treasure that they've stolen right it's really cool it's like the unstoppable evil it's the evil that continues, you know, even through death. It, it's so cool. Uh, it's just so unevenly, you know, laid out in this movie. I, if I remember correctly, the second, the sequel, of course, the sequel's art, you know, it's already set up, so whatever. But in the sequel, they're right. a lot more consistent about this matter. Well, and that's the thing, too, because the characters don't know what the zombie's motivation did, is. Mm-hmm. And I, I suppose if they did, that it would make for a much shorter, shorter and less entertaining movie because they could just hand over the loot. Um, but, uh, you know, so it, it seems like these zombies are just killing indiscriminately because that's what they do. Um, it's not until the very, very, very end that one of the characters realizes, oh, well, if I just give them their pennies back, then they'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, in the meantime, um, I don't know if we mentioned it, but Vegard had taken off on the scooter to find Sarah. So it's the others here who find that. And they, right. they decide to, like, have a party with the gold. <laughs> like, they're just, like, throwing, like, literally throwing gold coins up in the air and, like, wearing the earrings and just playing with it, basically. And I think... Oh, it's it, it's just like that scene out of the Goonies when yeah. they find the treasure and they're, like, putting on all the jewelry and, like, yeah. stuffing things in their pockets. Like, woohoo! <laughs> and I think the point of this is, in retrospect, that the to set this idea that every one of them has a piece of this treasure on them at some point because you like you see somebody yeah. like slip a coin in their pocket and somebody else kind of like slips something up their sleeve or something like that right so in retrospect i think we're supposed to lo- i mean it's not there's not a point made about it but i think that's kind of the point anyway erlin goes out to go to the bathroom in the 
uh, outhouse. And Chris, who has been really warming up to Erling, yeah. comes out and uh, basically mounts him in the most romantic place possible, right? This is disgusting. Yeah. I'm so- <laughs> this guy's sitting. So gross. No, it's it's worse than that, Todd. Like, he goes out and he takes <laughs> he goes out and he takes a dump. Fine. Everybody poops. It's all good. But then like so then he wipes his butt as you do <laughs> after you go to the bathroom. But then she comes out right after that and straddles him on the toilet. Mm, okay, I mean, I guess, you know, they've got to get away somewhere private. He's already got his pants down, so fine, convenient, whatever. But then, oh, I don't even want to say it. She she grabs his hand and goes to suck his finger. And he's oh, like, yeah. And he's like, ooh, no, don't. Like, he literally just wiped his butt with that hand. Like five seconds ago. And even he is like, ooh, no, don't. I just wiped my butt. But she does it anyway. Yeah. And then. It's pretty gross. Yeah, it's disgusting. This girl's a freak. And then. <laughs> she. <laughs> but you know, the whole time, what I'm thinking uh, during this scene, damn, it has got to be super cold yeah. for both of them right now. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, especially because, like, she takes her top off. And I was like, you wouldn't take it. It's too cold. Leave your top on. I'm pretty sure I remember correctly that she's wearing <laughs> pants, but somehow, somehow. she managed <laughs> to get these off. Yeah. She manages to get them off as she's yeah. straddling him, and <laughs> they bone on the porta potty outhouse, whatever. Uh, right. You know, in 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 retrospect, it's really kind of funny. You know, taking whatever opportunity they could to get away from everybody else. It's kind of funny, and it's funny when. Uh, Erland walks back in uh, to the cabin and he's just kind of strutting and he's got this big look on big grin on his face and they're like did you see Chris and he's like yeah (laughs) (laughs) but that's all he says all of her (laughs) yeah and uh, so then we cut back to her I guess she needed to pee afterwards or something. And <laughs> yeah. So she's still out there and um, she sees a, a, one of the Nazi zombies peeping in at her and she kind of freaks out and she's alone in the outhouse somehow, which I'm not sure I really understand, but somehow she gets pulled down into like the toilet part. Did she get pulled down or did it just happen to break or something? I, I wasn't even sure of that. I'm still not sure. All I know is she crawls back out covered in shit, and then yeah, really she gross. she tries to make her way up to the cabin, and she's she's bleeding like she's been impaled or stabbed in her abdomen, um, and and I still don't know. Like I don't know if she was supposed to have been stabbed because all these zombies have these great big like bayonet knives. I don't know if she was supposed to have been stabbed or just injured in her fall i don't know but anyway she starts making her way back to the cabin slowly and she's screaming but they've got loud music on so they can't hear i think uh hannah eventually kind of hears something and turns it off and they hear her scream and she's making her way towards the door but just before hannah opens the door one of the zombies like attacks her and knocks her out of frame and so hannah doesn't see her so they don't know yet what's going on. So they send the guys out to check stuff out. Yeah. It's it's interesting because actually I think this movie's pretty well filmed. Yeah, yeah. The the suspense is there, you know? Uh 
at, at a point, it, bec- it it ceases to become suspenseful because it's a zombie movie, and so everything's just kind of happening out in the open. It's more of an action film, I would say, mm. uh, after a while. But uh, but at the beginning, anyway, when it's more of a suspenseful horror film, I think that these sequences are really shot well. Maybe it's just because they're called from so many other sources. I don't know. I would, but I would agree with you. Like, as in terms of quality, you know, it's it's pretty good. The acting is pretty good. The cinematography is pretty good. The one thing that I will say about the cinematography is that there are a couple of scenes that are pretty bad green screen shots. Right? Yes. Didn't you think for so? Sure. Oh, absolutely. They stand out like like a sore thumb. They're that yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it looks like they filmed it at like the local news station in front of the green screen and and there are lots of times when there's blood just flying just splattering and it's so clearly cgi that it pulls you out a little bit practical effects could have done you a lot of good here and you know i don't know i have this was filmed but they did they did a lot of practical effects. They did they did and so it makes me wonder why in these certain scenes it it looks so hokey but who knows maybe it had to do with budget ultimately it they're so few and far between that it's kind of like okay i i can forgive you for that (laughs) (laughs) well uh, hannah notices there's a gun above the door and so the guys take the gun when they go out to look around and they basically come back to the cabin having found sarah's pack but no um, no Chris. Right. And uh, so they're in there and they're kind of wondering what to do. And Hannah sees Chris's head in the kitchen window and she's like, oh, thank God. And then that head gets pulled up and it's actually severed. Uh, and this yeah. begum, begins. That, that was cool. I thought that was cool too. Um, I liked it. Mm-hmm. That might be one of the few original moments in this movie, honestly. It didn't scare me, but no. one of the scarier m- moments when her head pops up and you we know she's dead and, and but but the other the girl doesn't and uh until then the the severed head <laughs> kind of goes flying off to the side. Um that was good. But then it's it's then the the zombie siege, you know, like the yeah. zombies start attacking the cabin and it's kind of scary and fun, and it's kind of funny because these characters react in a more realistic way than characters often react in these kind of movies. And in that yes. way, I don't want to say that it's meta because it's not really meta, but you know, it's like these char- these characters are aware of zombie movies. You know, yes. like they know what they're in for right now, right? And and because they know what they're in for, they're freaking out. <laughs> like <laughs> they're screaming and freaking out. And like uh, Erland, the one who is the movie buff, is like <laughs> he's crying, like oh no, and he's like, don't get bit, don't get bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny, but I can just, that would be me, like, hiding in the corner crying, yelling at people, don't get bit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, it's funny. It, it was good to put Erland in this movie. It's good to have a character kind of like that one guy in Scream, you know, yeah. who's going to be all meta and talk about movies in the midst of a movie about the movie that they're in. But he's the first one to go. <laughs> and that really I surprised mean, me. I kind of figured he'd yeah. be around for a while. Well, he, again, I felt like he'd be the guy in Scream who'd be kind of telling them what they need to do and what they shouldn't be doing. 
but and and honestly, he might have been the best drawn character up to that point. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, you're right. He gets he gets he gets taken out in a pretty brutal way. And I think it's straight out of um, one of Peter Jackson's movies where he's pulled out halfway out the window, and a couple of zombies like basically grab his skull from either side and pry it apart, and his brain even flops out onto the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and at this point they're all staring at this having happened i think it's uh roy who says i told you we should have gone to sunny beach yeah <laughs> <laughs> it definitely but, has its clever moments it definitely had moments that made me at least smile if not laugh out loud like it's not hilarious you know there are some movies like Tucker and Dale or, you know, any number of other horror comedies that I'm laughing out loud. This one, I don't laugh out loud so much at, but, you know, it, it does have its moments, its cute, clever moments. I think there's, and I, it's not like I'm an expert on this, but I think there's a distinctly Scandinavian brand of humor that this taps into. Yeah, I bet there is, yeah. It's kind of dark. It's a little understated at times, but it's still also a little over the top at times. It doesn't get into hilarious, like, um, Shaun of the Dead territory, but it it really treads that line, but it does it in a very straight way. Yeah. Like, they all play it extremely straight in this movie. And you've already mentioned it, but credit to the actors, you know, they're they're believable and... and reasonably endearing and and so you know you're invested in what's going to happen to them at least you know i didn't care necessarily who was going to die and who wasn't but (laughs) but you know i was i was at least interested to find out (laughs) yeah and and that's kind of the thing like i don't really feel like this movie is that scary no, no. I I don't think it's just because we're so jaded. Like, hardly anything has scared us anymore, right? Right. But in this sense, I don't really feel like anybody watching this movie would be terribly scared. Because it's it's almost at this point that it becomes a pure action movie. I mean, you know everybody but one person is going to live, is going to die. And so you're just waiting to see how it's going to happen. And most of it happens during the day and pretty much out in the open. And all of the, And at this point, I think all of the suspenseful scenes have pretty much passed. Yeah, I, but this is also a point where I kind of didn't understand what was happening. So, Vergard has been out looking for Sarah, and he found the dead creep guy, and so, you know, he's kind of panicking, but then when he's looking around, he falls in this big hole, okay? So now he's lost in, you know, we don't know what's going on. He's in this underground snow cave fort. or something. The other guys in the cabin have just been besieged which seemed like it happened at night, but then when we cut back to Vergard, it's still daytime. And, yeah. then when, and then when we cut back to the cabin, it seems like it's daytime again. So I guess the whole night passed. And the siege just stopped? Yeah, they're all, <laughs> they're all just huddled in a corner, and they're like, all of a sudden it's really quiet. Why is it so quiet now? Good question. I wish that the movie would have answered it. Like... <laughs> Yeah, like, like they're being besieged by this zombie horde, and then all of a sudden, it's like the zombies just go away for a while. Like, yeah, what? <laughs> and so I was thinking, oh well, they must only be able to come out at night. But no, that's not no. true. I, I, I guess it was time for their break. Like, like yeah. they, needed, they needed to go have a cigarette or something. <laughs> even, even Nazi zombies got to sleep, man. <laughs> 
Uh, but so, anyway, so the people in the cabin are trying to figure out what they're going to do, and, and they know they don't know the way back to the car, because only Vergard knows the way back to the car, but they decide, all right, we need to split up. Somebody needs to go either try to find the car or try to go find the fjord. Like, what? Like, <laughs> there's a fjord? I don't even know what a fjord is, but Okay. <laughs> And some of them have to stay as, like, distractions for the Nazi zombies. And so they decide that the guys are going to stay and the girls are going to go off. Um, And so then we've almost kind of got these three parallel movies going on where the girls are off, you know, exploring and getting chased by zombies. The guys... Uh, Martin and Roy are back at the cabin distracting the zombies and Vergard finds out that this cave that he's fallen into is like the under the snow Nazi barracks. And so like they're they're all just fighting zombies off on their own. Like they're let's split them all up so they can just all fight zombies separately (laughs) this is what this movie has been trying to get to this whole time its reason for existence is just to basically show people fighting these nazi zombies and a ton of gore yeah like i said it's like an action movie you know vegard has a big battle where he impales a nazi through the eye and on a tree Uh, another nazi zombie runs after him and this this zombie that he had just impaled to the tree has his intestines hanging out and somehow when this other zombie comes to grab him he happens to grab this this zombie's intestines and so this zombie like basically runs him off a cliff but because he's still holding onto these intestines they spool out of this zombie impaled on the tree and this is what they're hanging by off of this cliff as he's trying to beat back this zombie it's one of i don't know half a dozen intestine scenes that we're going to get in this movie there's a these are really strong intestines that these it, yeah it's ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> but but it's part of the comedy i mean it's clearly a running gag after a while you know and so and i feel like this is again one of these norwegian <laughs> like senses of humor things that were that's just a little off i mean it's funny but it's maybe not as funny as it would look to another audience i don't know that's my guess anyway so yeah they do this and uh then the hannah and liv are running um, Hannah takes out a zombie, zombie punches out Liv, and she wakes up. I thought this was actually neat, this transition, where Liv gets punched by a zombie, and you see this from Liv's point of view. The very next shot is, is obviously time has passed, but Liv's eyes are open, and again, we're seeing this from her point of view. And it's all blurry and stuff, and she looks down, and we realize that the zombies are, like, pulling her intestines out. Right. They're eating her, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But specifically her intestines. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's important. (laughs) And she reaches over in her almost death and pulls a grenade off of one of these zombies' belts and sets it off, which then Hannah and a few other people see from the distance, and which seems to wake up the Nazi general and his better troops, his officers, if you will. I'm so, I'm so glad that you just explained that to me because I had no idea what was going on. So I, I knew that they uh, were, like, pulling out her intestines. And then I saw her grab something, but I thought it was a flashlight. And I'm like, oh yeah, why does she need a flashlight? <laughs> and, then, and then Hannah sees this big explosion, and I was like, what blew up? <laughs> I, yeah, that, I miss that entirely. 
the grenades that the Germans used looked like um, little batons, basically. You know, they weren't like our style where you pull a pin, you squeeze it, and you toss it. Yeah, yeah, that's what that was. And so, well, you learn something it, new every day. Well, there you go. A <laughs> little bit of, of war history, a little bit of military history for you in this movie. It, it just keeps giving and giving. That and anatomy. Uh, so at this point, it feels like it's, it becomes almost becomes a war movie, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of what I liked about it. I mean, this I thought was a cute aspect of the movie, too. Because at this point, the the guy who we don't even need to be told, this guy is the Colonel Herzog because he's the one who looks different from the rest of them. Right. And he's the one who looks badass. He sort of steps into frame and he's got like his Nazi like commanders next to him. <laughs> And a line of Nazi soldiers behind him, and he even pulls out a set of binoculars and looks out, you know, like he's getting ready to order his troops to attack, Mm -hmm. you know, like he's got some strategy. And that's what makes this a little different from your typical zombie movie. That's why I kind of like the whole Nazi angle is because they incorporated a little bit of this into it. It just felt like a war movie at this point. Yeah. Well, and eventually Hannah battles some more (laughs) zombies like she ends up in a tree and then they find her up there and she jumps down and kills one. <laughs> the tree and- part's cool though. She climbs up this tree like it's wintertime. There are no leaves. I don't know how she feels like this tree is going to give her any cover. Right. But she's up at least she's up higher than these two Nazis who are looking for her. And she happens to be up by a little bird's nest. <laughs> And this this bird starts attacking her, and so she grabs the bird and like beats it against the tree like four or five times, <laughs> just viciously to get it to quiet down. I thought that was pretty cool. It was funny. It was funny, but you like you totally saw the punchline coming a oh, million yeah. miles away. Like as soon as she kills this bird, she looks down, and the Nazis are just standing down at the bottom of the tree, looking up at her. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then one of them starts climbing up and so she I feel like she grabs a broken off branch or something and jumps down and stabs the one that's still on the ground in the eye and runs off um, and then she ends up on this huge cliff and uh, the other Nazi who for some reason that I don't understand is in like a white rain poncho yeah <laughs> what was that about <laughs> <laughs> like did they wear I guess maybe they wore white rain ponchos in the I don't know. I felt like maybe he got it off the the guy in the tent that they killed earlier or something I, like I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so they end up on this cliff and she stomps so that the snow drift that they're standing on falls off the cliff and they both fall down. Yeah, like thousands of feet. Yeah. And of course we cut away from oh, she's dead. Let's cut away from her. Of course she's not dead. We come back later and she's still alive, but um I think that my favorite <laughs> part is then we cut back to Roy and Martin, and they're, like, defending the cabin, and uh, Roy, or one of them, I don't remember which one, one of them is making these Molotov cocktails, um, and as, as soon as he's got it made, the other one, like, is like, okay, throw it, and he, like, moves away so that the zombies can get in, and the guy throws the Molotov cocktail and totally just hits the wall of the cabin and sets the cabin on fire. <laughs> That's so funny. Martin gets on his cell phone and tries to make a 911 call. <laughs> I know. I wish I wish it weren't in a different language because I, I would love for you to play this clip because it was so be funny because he's like, uh, 
we're in the mountains and something bad is happening. We're being attacked by Nazis who've been here. Like, I can't even remember. Like, but it's just so <laughs> ridiculous. And the 911 operator hi- hangs up and the other guy, whichever one it is, is like, don't tell them that. Tell them it's terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be here with helicopters and bombs in like 10 minutes. But then, of course, conveniently, the battery dies. Yeah. So so they end up battling more, and they have to get out of the cabin, so they uh, run to, like, one of them sees a shed, you know, like, 50 yards away or whatever. They're like, we have to run to the shed. And the other one's like, what good is that going to do? And he's like, I don't know, but what else, what other choice do we have? So they run there, and they get in there, and it's like a tool shed. And so there are all of these, like, instruments of death all around. And one of them's like, you know what we've got to do, right? And the other one's like, yep. (laughs) And so it's a great setup. Evil Dead ripoff. Down to the sound effects and the cinematography. The zooming in and the... Yep, yep. And this is when they come out of the shed and they're badasses. And the two of them take on a whole line of Nazis zombies running uh, across at them across the field and they, and they totally get completely gory bloody all over their faces uh, which is you know none of the characters really wipe their faces at all during this Ever. i'm not sure <laughs> they're yeah. covered in blood i i could have watched probably just this last 15 minutes of the movie and thought oh yeah this is a badass movie like mm. th- this last 15 minutes was a lot of fun it really was. And so, so ridiculous and so unrealistic. You've got these two guys armed with lawn tools. Um, and, like, they are just taking on wave after wave of these <laughs> Nazi zombies. <laughs> and just annihilating them, cutting off their heads. One of them, I think it's Roy, has, like a little, like a like, a little miniature sledgehammer. And he's just like bashing faces in and blood is flying everywhere and they're just taking down zombie after zombie it's a lot of fun it is it's super gory it's really gross but it's totally fun it reminded me actually a lot of peter jackson's dead alive the point in which the guys just got the the lawnmower and he just is mowing through hordes and hordes of zombies it really had that same flavor and and that same amount of satisfaction well yeah and then and vergard shows up and helps them out and like he's killing people with well first of all he got a machine gun from the nazi fort i guess yeah that was a little <laughs> unclear where that came from but and he mounted it to his snowmobile so like he can take people out or zombies out with his machine gun it's been probably 15 years since i've seen dead alive but you mentioned the the motorcycle part vergard takes out two or three zombies with his snowmobile like getting them underneath the motor or getting them sucked into the rotor or something and um, it's it's cool it's It's satisfying and but at some point vergard and roy and martin are kind of having like a little heart to heart like where have you been what have you been up to where's everybody else oh everybody else is dead sorry and then uh some zombies apparently sneak up behind uh vergard and i kind i expected him to be the hero because he's been very heroic up until this point um but the zombies just grab him and rip him apart limb from limb and so then we've got roy and martin and they continue fighting and uh, I didn't see this coming. We we saw a scene before that we skipped over where we saw that Hannah had survived that fall. Um, and she took out the zombie that she fell with. And at one point, Martin is 
like hacking away at zombies and uh you see somebody grab his shoulder and he turns around and just hacks and it's Hannah. He he accidentally uh, kills Hannah. But this was entirely her fault. Don't sneak up, don't sneak up on people when they're fighting zombies. <laughs> yeah, I felt like that that scene was really wedged in there. I felt like they just needed to get rid of Hannah and they wanted to give Martin a moment. Yeah. Uh, that's all it was because it didn't make any sense. Nobody would do that. And where did Hannah even come from? And why wouldn't they have seen her coming? And why would she have been so close to him when all the zombies were surrounding him and attacking him? And why would you sneak up on somebody who's hacking mm-hmm. away? Just don't do that. That's stupid. Don't do that. You got what oh, excuse you deserved. Me. Excuse me. Are, are you finished yet? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm back. I'm here. I just want you to know. <laughs> but no, it does give him a, like, a moment where he's so horrified by what he's done. And at this point, Herzog, the general, and his like six minions have shown up. And um, so Roy is like, uh, Martin, uh, Martin, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to need your help here, buddy. Um, and so right at the last minute, um, Martin snaps you know, back into reality. And he and Roy, uh, again, take out all of these uh, zombies, except for Herzog. And so then they're standing there just <laughs> facing off with him. Like, it's just like a stare down. And I think my favorite line in the whole movie was, uh, I think Roy says, let's just sledge him and get the hell out of here. Like, <laughs> let's get this over and done with. And then Herzog leans his head back and yells, ah. If it was some, if he was saying something specific, I don't know what it was because there was no translation on my screen. Um, but a, an entire new army of zombies just rises up out of the snow, and we're talking hundreds of it's, zombies. These, these mountains are just filled <laughs> with zombies, like planted like poppies. Yeah, across. it's like the sound of music. You sing, and they will come springing forth. Endless waves. I just remember that I almost (laughs) skipped my very favorite part. Um, At some point in all of this, uh, Martin gets bit. And uh, after all the zombies are dead, he's like, I got bit, I got bit. You remember what Erlen said, you can't get bit. He's like, I won't turn into one of those things. And so he starts up the chainsaw and he's like, and Roy's like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, we're medical students. We learned about amputation. And so he saws his arm off and then he lights a big fire and cauterizes it. Like, I just think it's so funny. People do this in movies all the time. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just something, you know, oh, darn it. Guess I got to saw off my arm and cauterize it. Carry on. Um, but so anyway, he does it. And like, so then he's standing there like, oh, I did it. And then another zombie pops out of the snow right in between his legs and bites his wiener. <laughs> and so then he kills that zombie. And Roy and Martin are just standing there looking at each other, and Martin kind of looks at the uh, chainsaw, and Roy's like, no, no, no. No. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, you can saw off your arm, that's one thing, but not your wiener. Come on, man. (laughs) Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse would have gone there. (laughs) Uh, I thought it was hilarious. 
I thought you were going to talk about his line just before that, when Martin is bit and he's freaking out, and uh, Roy says to him, oh, come on, isn't your grandfather half Jewish? You don't think they'd recruit <laughs> someone half Jewish, do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good one, too. That was a good one. Yeah, there was some, there was some good lines. Some good mm. lines. But anyway, so then it's Martin and Roy against the zombie horde, and, and really there's nothing they can do, so they just take off running. And um, again, another instance where I kind of was confused as to what was going on. Uh, Roy stumbles and tells Martin to keep going, but then Roy gets up and he keeps running and this zombie comes along beside him and it seems like it hits him in the head. And so he's running and he's holding his head, but then all of a sudden he gets caught up and it turns out that somehow he snagged his intestines on a tree. Like, yeah. How did that happen? I don't think they could properly explain it, so they just did it. <laughs> they just needed more intestine shots. Like it felt like every character had to have their intestines spilled at some point. <laughs> oh. So he gets. So he's dead, of course. But not before he's run like you know I don't know ten or twelve feet, and then with turns his intestines spooling out. Yeah. Right. Um, but then okay, so Herzog and the other zombies are like standing around him as he's dying. And I feel like after he dies, Herzog takes off of him like a, a stopwatch or something, yes. um, which uh, makes Martin realize, oh, they just want their loot back. So he yep. runs back to the cabin, which has burned to the ground, and he's digging <laughs> through the ashes as the Nazis are coming. But he finds the box, and like he turns around, and they all stop. And so they're just standing there looking at him. And one of Herzog's lieutenants or something comes and takes the box from him and gives it back to Herzog. And it looks like that's going to be it. Like the next thing that we see is Martin running through the forest, not being pursued. Uh, and he makes it back to the car with his one arm. And he's trying to get <laughs> the seatbelt on. And he's he finally gets that on. And then uh, he's puts the key in the ignition and turns it and one little gold coin falls out of the fob on the keychain. And we had we had seen I don't remember Hannah or somebody stash that away at some point. So yeah. we knew where it came from. It's not like it was just, you know, out of nowhere. But he looks at it and he picks it up and he sits up and he just goes <laughs> and then we see a, a Nazi appear in the car window and bash the car window out, and and that's the end. It's a cool ending. It was. I it think. was. Yeah. I know that there's a sequel, but I know that there's. I, I don't know anything about it, and uh, so I was thinking that th this is going to be like the descent. Like one character is going to get away, and then and somehow is going to have to end up coming back for the sequel. And I suppose that could be true because we don't actually see Martin get killed on screen. The last thing we see is the zombie punching through uh, the mirror. Uh, you've seen the sequel. I don't know. Are any of the original characters back? I don't think so. I don't remember for sure, but I don't think so. It's the sequel I just remember, and, and it's been a while since I've seen that one too. The sequel I just remember as being a lot of fun, kind of Shaun of the Dead fun. Like they really take... The, now that we know all these Nazi zombies, the Colonel Herzog becomes much more of a character, like from the very beginning, and he has a silent personality to him. 
and they play with that a little bit and uh, like they they end up in a neighborhood like in a suburban neighborhood with tanks and things like that uh it it really plays with the concept and ups it a whole bunch and really adds to the comedy and i i'm really i really think we ought to watch that as requested and uh, and have a look at it cuz as i remember it anyway it's a very different movie from this one it takes a pretty unoriginal in many respects derivative film that is just a bunch of zombies killing people and then takes that concept that they've set up and makes a really fun original fun movie out of it well based on your description i'm intrigued i would watch it i'm not going to watch it today <laughs> right i'm not going to race out and get it but i would i would watch it you know frankly in preparing to uh record this uh, and talk about it I, I wasn't particularly psyched because I didn't love this movie, but I also I, I didn't hate it. You know, like it, it's not a bad movie. It's not poorly made. It's not poorly acted. I just thought that you know the story wasn't particularly original. The jokes were, you know, funny, but not like laugh out loud. You know, crazy original funny. Uh, it was adequate it, as far as zombie movies go. I've seen much worse. I've certainly seen better. But it wasn't a waste of time. And would I recommend it to other people? Eh, I I mean, I (laughs) guess. If you don't have anything better to watch. (laughs) Yeah, I understand. And I, and I, I think I feel that way, too. But, you know, I think it also falls in that same trap that I felt that Scout's Guide fell into. You know, since 2009, when this movie came out, we've seen much more clever horror comedies. Yeah. At the point at which this movie did come out, I think if you had seen it in 2009, we probably would would have a different take on it. We probably would have thought it was a little funnier. We probably would have thought, oh, you know, they, they kind of did some funny things with this, um, all these fun nods to the different films and the different sure. genres. As a whole package, we probably would have enjoyed it more. Now, because we've just seen this whole, a lot of this done in a much better tone, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that, you know, you kind of have to filter it through that lens as well. Uh, but I agree with you. You know, somebody's going to sit down and watch it today. It's it's not the top of my list for sure. I don't think it's hilarious. It has its moments. Yep. For for real gore hounds, this is this is going to satisfy you, yeah. you know, about 20 minutes from the end. Um, yeah. Because it's really like that. But But again, I have other movies I would recommend if you're a real gore hound and you want to see more of that way sure. over this. For sure. But it takes place in the snow. Maybe it'll put you in the holiday spirit if you're living in a place where you're not getting a lot of snow or blood. Yeah, this will do it. You got you've got white snow and you've got red. All you need to do is add your own green, and you'll <laughs> you'll have Christmas. <laughs> All right, thank you again for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. You can find us on Facebook, uh, on our webpage. Or you can leave us a comment. Let us know what you thought about this podcast and this film. Uh, the podcasts themselves can be downloaded from Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, anywhere you find your podcasts. We have a couple more holiday-themed horror movies coming up this month, so please stay tuned. And of course, let us know what other films you'd like us to watch as the new year comes along. Until that time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Hey!